Hey everyone, JD here. Our interview with Snipeyhead at Snipe IT was uh, intriguing. And if you've not heard the first part of this, I encourage you to go back uh, and listen to that. In the first part of this, uh, she really goes into the details of, of managing a software company, a small workforce already operating in a work-from-home manner. Uh, in this episode, she gets into more of the uh, intricate details of Snipe IT and, and what goes on uh, behind the scenes as far as uh, the technical details. So uh, again, uh, there is some strong language in this episode, but I encourage you to uh, listen to both. Thank you. Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. have a call for speakers. Um, we have a lovely call for speakers forum that was handcrafted. It's artisanal, a bit hipster, and a lot WordPress, but it's a form. And there you can tell us what five minute talk, what 15 minute talk, or what 30 minute talk you want to give. And we welcome everybody to submit to our call for speaker proposal. Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast. Today I'm joined by my lovely co-host JD. How are you doing, JD? I'm doing wonderfully, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm still learning the rules of podcasting. Today we're joined by Allison, also known as Snipeyhead on Twitter. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. On a sort of technical side, um, is uh, Snipe IT sort of based on PHP uh, with yep. MySQL? Is that sort of the base of? Yeah, uh, so I mean, it technically runs on uh, Postgres as well. We've definitely we've seen it run on SQLite, and we've got a couple of people running on Raspberry Pi. And I'm like, sure, you well, if that's a choice that you decide to do, <laughs> okay, like cool. Please write up a tutorial because I would post the hell out of that. That sounds <laughs> like someone was trying to to defeat a final boss at the end of something. I don't know why you would do it, but okay, fine. Um, so yes, it's PHP. It's based on the Laravel framework. Um, which is great. And uh, it's probably one of the most popular, I think it's actually now the most popular PHP framework. And uh, it works on Postgres, it works on SQLite, it works on a lot of things. We, we officially only support MySQL and MariaDB just because we already have so many different ways that you can install it. You can install it via the SSH installer, you can install it via Docker, you can install it like six other ways. Or you can just install it like Git, like a normal person, but whatever. It's IT, and a lot of times people don't know very much about web servers. So we've already got all these kind of divergent paths of testing that we need to keep track of. Uh, so like we're like, psh, it probably should work on Postgres, maybe? <laughs> But like, we're not promising that it does. And when you complain to me that it doesn't, it's like, well, uh, did you see the list of requirements? Postgres was not one of them. And like, we still try and go back in time and like fix migrations that might have some weird defaults for Postgres or whatever. I'm pretty sure I saw somebody say that they were running it on Oracle at some point. And I'm like, that seems a bit overkill, but you know what? You do you, buddy. It's cool. Uh, but just like, don't kind of, you can't expect us to support it 
too much. Like there are there are infinity split offs for PHP versions, OS versions, database versions, blah blah blah. We'll try our best, but like seriously. I was wondering, like your sort of business model, is this supporting people that are just like setting it up on their own infrastructure, just uh, using the open source? Or is this people that are uh, paying for support, but setting it up on their own infrastructure? Because uh, I mean, do you support the open source? I mean, other than just answering? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just referenced earlier, uh, the PR that I merged. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like, we're, no, I'm constantly on GitHub. Um, usually trying not to be rude, but not always being successful at it. Um, our business model is the hosted version and we have a kind of smaller tier support. We just launched enterprise support, which is like, okay, for enterprise support, which is $5,000 a year, you can get us, get one of us actually on the telephone and also we'll help you with your weird bespoke Jamf integration or whatever it is that you've got going on. Like we'll actually help you. We will actually help you with your code integrations uh, with our API. And so that's brand new, but the the lion's share, I think, actually comes from hosting. Yeah, so, I mean, that would be the simplest setup. <laughs> I mean, you'd think, unfortunately, you also, you, so it's a, it's a weird metric that we have to use because the, the thing is that in general, if you're a hosted customer or even actually a support customer, uh, your first month is going to be the most expensive in terms of our time the time that we have to spend on you. And like, listen, we're talking about business. And so there's like lifetime value per customer stuff that you have to worry about, right? That first month is usually uh, where we where we pay through the nose. So anybody who cancels after like two months, that's a, basically a net loss for us usually because they've definitely opened a ticket or two. They're definitely asking us a lot of questions. They've definitely not read the documentation because all of those questions would have been answered in the documentation. But, you know, hey, whatever. Who likes to read? <laughs> um, but so, like, really, once we're at, like, a four or five month, just based on average, the amount of average kind of touching that a normal customer would need, once, you're, once you've cleared, like, four or five months, it's like, oh, okay, on average, this person is now actually making us money. So it's just, it's weird. It's very kind of a, there's a, a high level of interaction that's needed for that initial ramp up. But then usually there, usually it kind of gets quiet and that's good, I, I think. I know Hopefully. it's weird. Support customers and hosted customers aren't really that different. Support customers, we actually charge more for support than we do for hosting. Because what usually happens is somebody's got this on some bespoke ass box behind 16 firewalls that I can't see. And I'm like, listen, it works on my machine, works on all of our machines. In fact, works (laughs) in our hosted environment with our thousands of customers. So this is clearly environmental. And if you can't give me access to that environment, I really don't know how I help you. (laughs) There was one point when we tried doing like, okay, for a hundred dollars, we'll install it on your own box. Cool. That seemed like a really smart way to go, right? you would think. And what happened was there was one single ticket. Now, again, this is for $100. 93 back and forths between me and this person trying to get SSH keys handled, everything else. And I'm like, holy crap, this is, no, we're not doing this anymore. This Mm -hmm. was like hours and hours. This was weeks of my life just trying to get access to this 
stupid ass box. And it's like, dude, no, we, we're not doing this anymore. I, I, I will see this through because, because I said that I would, <laughs> but we don't do installs anymore. We don't do one-offs anymore. It's just not worth it. Yeah. You learn those painful lessons sometimes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I used to set up render farms in storage and, you know, oh, one, yeah. one time I was like, oh yeah, no problem. I, I set up render farms all the time. This guy in this small boutique VFX company is like, well, set up a render farm for us. And I'm like, no problem. Like courted some ridiculously low amount of time. And then I walk in and finally realize, like, you know, a couple of weeks later that, yeah, in a normal environment, it would have taken me half a day, maybe a day, but I have no idea what they were doing in their environment. And I failed to take that into account in my, and I didn't do any discovery or anything <laughs> and my wife was like are you gonna get paid at all i'm like i'm like this this is it's beyond getting paid it's like is this gonna work at all and is this yeah. person gonna just say bad things about me i have to make yep. it work and then maybe i'll get paid the ridiculously low thing i quoted and i didn't so now i do discovery fees where you discover if the client will pay immediately yep. and you discover about their network and <laughs> try and make some yep. sane decisions yep. because totally yeah. so we've struggled <laughs> with the enterprise support tier for a while Cause like, we don't want to get on the phone. And frankly, there's almost no reason for you ever to need to get on the phone with us. Honest to God. Um, we have not had a support phone call that was truly necessary that one of us, one of our techs actually, actually had to get on the phone since before July. It just doesn't happen because we know our stuff. We know our systems. We know our stuff. We know how to answer your questions. There's probably nothing you're going to give us that we haven't seen before. And frankly, even if you gave us something we haven't seen before, getting on the phone isn't going to help us get there any faster. Like I need your logs. I need access to your system perhaps, but like us being on the phone isn't really going to solve any problems. And so one of the things we really struggled with for that enterprise tier is like, okay, well, what are we, what are we giving? Cause this, this price is so much higher than our regular support. So what are we giving people? And it's like, okay, you get three extra things. You get phone support, you get, if you wish, access to a dedicated Slack channel for you that where you get to talk to us. And you get us to actually do your security questionnaires, which means that if you make me go through your security questionnaire, you do not get to sign up for the cheapest tier. Like, seriously, you don't, because you've just now taken four hours, at least, at least out of my life. And like the way that we handle our security stuff on the Snipe IT website, we have a whole thing. And like anytime something new gets asked, which is unusual, because like I've been doing this for a while and I've, my God, if I had a dollar for every time I've answered a security questionnaire, I could retire. So like any question that we think is going to come up, we actually put on our security page. And the thing is like, okay, cool. For $5,000 a year, I will copy and paste the same shit that we have on our website for you in your Excel spreadsheet. If you're not willing to pay that though, then you get to copy and paste it yourself. That's how this works. <laughs> like seriously, I'm sorry. Who, who actually expects like a, a like a, a a day long security questionnaire from a forty dollar a month hosted product? Who does that? And I like I'm a big fan of 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 compliance and stuff. I mean, it's that's a complicated complicated conversation, but it, it's in general, I think it it, it it's helpful. And uh, if any of the InfoSec nerds on Twitter hear that, uh, I'm going to be in a flame war for like the next month. But the point is, I think it can be a useful tool. But like, I'm not doing your homework for you. We literally make this information public. So uh, the price that you pay for being a lazy, lazy jerk is $5,000 a year. And that number may go up. So get in, get in while it's hot. 
friends. Because <laughs> like, I just don't want to, I don't have to do these, these things anymore. Do your own homework. We are very, very transparent about our hosted platform security, our, our, um, our application security, our networking security. Like we're really transparent about a lot of it, about all of it. And so I'm just, I'm not doing one more spreadsheet for what was basically $500 a month or actually $450, $450 a year was actually what our old support plan was. And it's like, you would have to be a customer of ours, a support customer for like four years for, for those numbers to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Your, your, your website is very clear. The security page is very clear. Everything is laid out. Um, and Maybe some of these corporate customers, because I know I've, I've had pushback when I say I'm using, you know, like some uh, open source uh, product and they're like, what? Open source and security don't mix. And I'm like, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, they really <laughs> do. I think I think you're just a dumbass, but that's cool. And then cool. maybe paying Snipe IT, you know, $5,000 for support means now it's a supported product, which is using open you know, source. But Honest uh, to God, <laughs> it's such a stupid business model. But like I, there are at least... I would say 10 customers out of our hundred support customers were saying, Hey, we have an enterprise tier. And without even asking them, they're just going to be like, oh, I would like to pay more for no reason. Like they don't actually need it. They just, once you get, in, once you get into that kind of enterprise mindset where it's like, we just need to know that it's supported, that you're not some fly by night. And it's like, even if I was, uh, it's open source, like just take it over if you want. The, the licensing stuff gets a little weird. Uh, and there are certainly arguments like open source does not mean more secure. I understand that. I've I've been on Twitter for long enough that I'm just not going to have that, <laughs> that freaking discussion. But it doesn't make it more secure. But it's actually, it tends to be not the open sourciness, but the licensing stuff. So mm. people are like, okay, can you build us a feature? It's like, well, I mean, we can build a feature. We can't build you a feature. We're a, a GPL license. So whatever we build for you, we have to release. Like that's just how it goes. But also more importantly, we may choose, choose not to, because if it doesn't make sense for the community at large, I'm not going to like fart up my source code so that you can have this one thing that you and literally no one else on the entire planet wants. I'm not going to do that. So that's sort of the deal that you, that's the deal that you make. That's it. Yeah. And it's weird. And some, some customers handle it really, really well. Some customers less so, but it's like, dude, like we have to abide by our own license, certainly. So. I mean, every feature request could be something that you have to support forever. Of course. <laughs> and it's also more, it's, it's a new, uh, at least one additional fork in the test plan. Like it, it's just, and especially because we have this kind of concept of, uh, we say full company support. It's, it doesn't work exactly the way that people expect. And it's, it's something that we definitely need to refine. But so basically every single, this entire test plan, which I will probably be publishing so that people understand like exactly how much goes into a release and what we actually test. Every time you make any kind of permissions based change, we have to test it across all of the granular permissions that we have of which currently there is something like 47. And so it's like, uh, yeah, this, this just, it would only take, it would just be this change. It's like, cool. Now we have to support it. And also every single time we push anything out, we have to test for that. We have to test against that case. So like each one of these things, I, I don't ever want to sound like, ah, oh, you know, get off my feature lawn. I, I want to hear about your features. I want to hear about your 
use cases. I, I genuinely do. There's we had a customer at one point who like used us for uh, inventory for an oil rigging company. And I'm wow. just like, wow, that's, I've never seen that before. That's really cool. We've had a couple who are like, uh, actually we've run some hacker spaces. Okay. That's a totally different use case. It kind of implies that like everyone is sort of trusted, but not necessarily trusted. So like our entire sort of concept of users is this is a trusted user. You're an employee or a student or something. But like hackerspaces actually kind of mix that up a little bit because you're like, well, I mean, I could come into a hackerspace and like, I don't, whatever your policy is for, I would like to check out a box of things. Whatever that happens to be, as long as I meet those requirements, you don't actually know that those credentials are true. You may never see me again. You don't know. Right. And so hearing about all these super different use cases is utterly fascinating. And like, there are some. Uh, there's been an ask for more than once for a kiosk mode, which is a holy crap trusted environment that I would not have expected. And now that we have SAML integration, we could probably do it. But like in this, it's a very well-known university, the uh, medical school part of this university, where they were talking about this kiosk mode. And it's like, okay, well, how do we validate, like what's listening on your side that allows us to know that this is the same person because they want basically a self-service kind of check your own stuff out, check your own assets out. I found that use case really interesting and it's probably something that, uh, that we could execute on without a, you know, without much ado, but again, like it's on a very long list. There's also a very famous streaming video provider who shall not be named, who I don't think actually uses us, but I, I got to go to their campus, which was very cool. And they have this whole like RFID NFC vision. And I'm like, and hearing that use case is awesome because they're just like, this is such a trusted environment. I just need to know which building this thing is in. I don't actually need to know like who it's currently checked out to. I just need to like, in terms of auditing, I need to know that it still exists in the building. And I'm like, holy crap, that's a really cool use case. And I have a ton of RFID <laughs> and NFC chips laying around my house to try and kind of experiment with some of that. It's the use cases are fascinating because no matter what way you think people are going to use your stuff, you will absolutely learn that people are using it in the either like completely different or sometimes the exact opposite way. <laughs> Customer powers. I realized just yesterday they're using asset tags as like hashtags. So the weird thing is in this software, asset tags have to be unique. That is the one kind of unique constraint because that's sort of the point, right? You kind of barcode them in, they're, they're unique. Literally, these people have come up with 47,000 different ways of calling a thing a thing because, <laughs> and I'm like, I, it never occurred to me. It just never, I mean, sure, asset tag. If this isn't actually what you do for a living, why you just like tag? Oh, I've heard of tags. I have been on the Facebook and the Twitter. So clearly, and I'm just, I'm like, wow. Oh my, wow. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I want to send them an email and just be like, so while I was looking at this other thing, I know y'all have some problems. Okay. Y'all have some <laughs> problems and I would love to help you and I can help you. But like, what is the use case here? What, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing it this way? 
Yeah, it's important questions to ask. Uh, recent, recently, a new customer was like, just tell us what to buy for this storage thing. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're doing and how you're doing <laughs> <Right>? it. Like, <laughs> right? why would I just tell you something random? I can randomly suggest something, but what are you doing and how are you doing it? And maybe I can make some suggestions, but maybe you like to do things a certain way, you know? And uh, yeah, finding out those workflows and how people work. And yeah, how many times sure. have, we, have I made it? assumptions and made it I mean I think it's it's this it's a challenge that you have being a consultant it's a challenge that you have being a, a business owner a software provider where people like to tell you the solution and it's like mm. no no I, I'm not interested in hearing what you you think the solution <laughs> is tell me what problem it is that you're actually asking me to solve because I've been doing this crap for a really really long time and almost never are those two things in accord Whatever you think the answer is, is probably not the answer I'm going to suggest, but I need to actually understand the problem that you're trying to solve before I can work with you on that. It's it's even funnier when uh, we have this Slack, uh, the Mac admin Slack, and we play this game called the XY problem. And so when a fellow IT person asks us for the how to do this certain solution to some problem that they think they've solved, or they if they could only figure out how to do it, we ask them the XY problem and go, what are you actually really trying to do? And mm -hmm. then we, 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 you know, and then sometimes people aren't used to being questioned because they're used to doing things for other people, but we're all an army of people going, what are you really trying to do? Like what, what? really, what are you trying to do though? So <laughs> I, I've been an op in the PHP channel uh, on Freenode for like literally 20 years. And it's the same thing. It's just like, uh, well, how do I solve this? It's like, well, what do you actually trying to do it's like well i'm trying to walk through this ar array but why are you trying to walk through that array in the first place like seriously we're all old and we do not have time for your nonsense please be very very you have to be specific to be terrific tell me the problem that you're actually trying to solve and yes, then we can help yes. you yes 100 the best customers are the ones who are like uh, you know what that's you know what that's fair uh let's just let's let me just describe what the situation is you're like ah oh, now yeah. I can actually help you. Yeah, in the uh, old days for us, the mailing lists, you know, when someone would describe what they did, what they were trying to do, like all the steps, you know, that that gives because it just takes away some of your questions right away. Like, well, what did you try to do? Okay, this is your problem, but what did you try? You know, maybe <laughs> you know, knowing two or three things that you tried. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, the uh, our issue template on GitHub is like it's like war and peace it is it's a thousand <laughs> miles long but it's like i'm sorry if you actually if you willfully select all delete that and then type your own bullshit in there oh i'm not going to react very well to you you should just know that because like it took me a really long time to come up with that list of questions <laughs> and the reason i come up with that list of questions isn't because i'm a jerk i'm a jerk but those two things are totally unrelated to each other the reality is I'm going to ask you these questions anyway, because I won't be able to help you without this information. I'm not actually trying to be a jerk. <laughs> without your logs, without knowing whether or not you're getting a browser console error, but like without your application logs, without your PHP logs, without your web server logs, you're getting a 500 error. Okay, cool. Sorry. Like, give me, give me what I need to help you. Help me to help you. Help me to help you. I actually desperately want to help you. Yeah, and you, you the, number of, the number of times that people are just like, they just select all, they remove all of it. And they're just like, uh, so assets, lo loading assets doesn't work. Frowny face. I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to close this. Cause I think you're a jerk. <laughs> it's like I have a whole stored, stored response for like, please, please. 
update your response with the fields that you obviously deleted. Like, I can't help you. Do what I can't help you. And so when you get people who are like fastidious about actually filling in the information that you need, this is actually, this is an excellent bug report. And I think this might actually be a bug and this one's probably on us and I will get to that and we'll have an answer for you like by the end of the day. Those are the people that you want. Try to be those people. Those people are awesome. Yeah, and sometimes when you're filling out all those questions and answers and issues, perhaps you you maybe see the problem staring at you after you've de detailed all these uh, steps and looked at yep. everything. Oh, absolutely. No, I've, I've, we've had a bunch of those. We're like, never mind. I figured it out. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, rubber ducking is a real thing. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to explain a problem to either uh, my CTO or my VP of tech. And as I'm describing it, I'm like, well, but, ah, uh, balls. Okay. Nope. I know what it is. I know what it is. Sorry. <laughs> They've literally not said a single word, but just through the process of explaining it, just by rubber ducking with them, you're like, oh, of, of, like, of course. And it's all obvious. They, they're not usually as nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for nothing, jerks. I'm like, uh, like your configuration file was literally had a parse error in it. And the thing that you reported is that our system is saying that your configuration file has a parse error in it. Like what, what, what is it exactly that you expected me to do here? It is what it said on the tin. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. the same way uh, for, you know, for a Laravel, for a typical Laravel project, they expect your document route to be set to whatever it is slash public. And then a whole bunch of other stuff lives outside of the document route, which is a standard fare. It's fine. But we actually had to include an index.php in the, in the application route, uh, the, the root of the application, I should say. Index.html that says, don't, if you're seeing this, it's because your document route is set wrong. You should be setting it to blah. And I swear to God, I, if, I, if I had a dollar for every ticket I got, it was like, I don't understand where I'm getting this. It's like, it literally is telling you why you're getting it. It's literally telling you what to fix. Why would you open this ticket? What are you doing? <laughs> That's awesome. That's all. Awesome. Like, yeah. I'm not even sending you to documentation. I'm literally telling you how to fix this in your error message. And, you, and you're just mystified. That's fantastic. I think we need that in a monkey report. Monkey report <laughs> uses uh, PHP and I think they're moving to Laravel, but so many times people ask about why is this public website? Why is this directory here? And where's the other stuff? And you get a lot of the same questions with monkey because monkey is a app deployment package deployment software, but it literally you just point it at any web server. You use any sure. web server you want. And the troubleshooting is literally sometimes when I'm like, Hey, did I set it up completely wrong? And I'm like, just write a simple like text, you know, a text uh, HTML file very quick. Like I'm alive. And I put it in the directory. I'm like, can I see it? Yes, I'm alive. Okay. Yes. The web yep. server's alive. I'm doing something yeah, else. I mean, wrong. that matters. That matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That people are just like, oh, 500 error when it doesn't work. 500 error. I'm like, it's a cool story, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. What am I supposed to do with that information? Seriously, nothing. So, so yeah. So you try your best to help people. So yeah, I want to talk to you forever and talk to you about 
PHP security vulnerabilities and how you love. PHP oh yeah, yeah. It, you're you know, you're gonna do that. You're gonna do that because that whole Git thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. Did you Let see me have that? It's fine. Did you see that? Did yeah. you see that? No, I didn't notice. I'm I'm the, I'm the <laughs> corporate security officer, but I didn't notice that that time bomb. Of course, I noticed. I retweeted it for Christ's sake. Yeah, I saw it. Whatever. Honestly, name me any open source language that has not had a similar problem. Uh, Packagist, uh, Ruby Gems. Uh, Python has had the same, like, find me one except for Java and nobody uses Java because Java is terrible, but probably they had problems as well. It's just everyone's so miserable that they didn't even realize that this happened. I'm just saying this is not new to PHP. It's not new to any language. And everybody really is, uh, Hacker News is having a field day right now. And my God, all the yawns I have for them. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, closed source has its own issues, you know, solar winds. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, mean, I would not make the argument that open source is more secure. No. I just don't think it's less secure. And I think it's a stupid argument. It's a waste of everyone's time to try and even make that argument. I think it's dumb. I used to be on a, I was on a podcast a long time ago with a guy that um, I was friends with. And I think, I think he actually blocked me on Twitter now specifically because of an argument like this. <laughs> Like he's just railing him. I'm like, uh, I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> like this is just dumb. It's a, it's not a useful, productive argument. Open okay. source isn't going anywhere. Closed source isn't going anywhere. Make the best choices that you can based on your needs, based on your skill sets, based on your risk tolerance. But like, don't just knee jerk anything. There is no one tool that fits every job. And if you think that's true, then you're terrible at your job, and you should probably quit and go join a circus or something. The idea that just anybody could just check in some code into some open source product hasn't made a pull request to an open source product and had it like ignored or completely rejected out of hand anyway. So we're talking about credential stealing. And yes, so this, this, this is just, you know, that's that's how you get stuff anywhere. Yes, exactly. And I, I know, actually, I am personal friends with a bunch of the people that maintain uh, the release, the release managers for PHP. And these are people who are not screwing around like they, they are smart, smart people. And if you're just willing to kind of take that, oh, obviously PHP is terrible and open source is terrible at face value, then you're not, it's just, it's just not an interesting argument. No. And yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Yes, it sucks. Yes, it absolutely sucks. <laughs> that part, I, I'm like, yep, I'm on board with that part. That part is true. It sucks. But anyway. Allison, it's been a total delight. Thank you so much for talking with us. Good luck to you and everybody at Snipe IT. And uh, uh, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a, it's been an absolute it's been a slog, honestly. Like this is a long time. This is longer than I've actually had to. It's it's longer than I've had to speak to any human being in a really long time. The Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers in IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. This year for Mac DevOps 2021, our platinum sponsor is Mac Stadium. Thank you so much. They are also sponsoring our Hack Night. This year, a new sponsor, our gold sponsor, Swiss Flow AG with their Mac bare metal instance. Awesome. Thank you so much. Our silver sponsor is Simple MDM. Thank you, Taylor. You are amazing. We couldn't do this conference without our sponsors. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests. 
And thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. If you, so if, if you don't receive this email, please let me know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't hear from us, let us know. <laughs>